All right. Thank you, Chris. Hi, everybody. My name is Avi. I'm a grateful alcoholic. You guys can hear me okay? Okay. <laughs> Glad I'm nervous. Sorry. Uh, first of all, I want to uh, thank you, uh, Ralph, uh, and the committee for putting this on. And thank you, Ralph, brother, for your invitation. It's a, let me tell you something. It, it's, a, it's a big deal if you get asked by Mr. Ralph White to come and share at his, uh, at his conference. That's a real big deal for me, you know. Uh, I want to thank um, I want to thank all the messengers today. Please forgive me. I have a we we've been blessed with a four month old little boy today that you know requires my attention at times. So I try to be on everybody uh, with for everybody. I I I, I caught uh, Jimmy and Holly and Jennifer, and I'm, I can't wait to to hear Amy and and Jerry and Matthew uh, on on the recording. So please forgive me for that. Um, I want to uh, like. Um, I think the best thing I could say, uh, the most important thing that I could say about Ralph and uh, all the long timers on this on this meeting that I that I admire and and all the messengers is just uh, thank you for keeping the lights on. Thank you for keeping the lights on for a retread like me. You know, seven years I was out of this pro in and out of this program, dying in the depths of despair of this illness. I appreciate you very much. Uh, see, because if it wasn't for the for the long timers practicing principles in their affairs, if it wasn't for the long timers practicing the 12 steps at its purest, you guys wouldn't be attractive to me and I would be dying out there. I'll never, I want to thank the, uh, I, I so appreciate the long timers because I'll never forget you guys, those seven years in and, out of the, in and out of the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous from driving me from meeting to meeting to meeting to detox to detox. And in the uh, uh, in your cars talking to me the power uh, about the power of the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. You're practicing your 12 step. I'll never forget Roman, minus 35 degrees Celsius in a cold winter many years ago uh, here in Toronto downtown. I uh, I guess he forgot his heavy coat in the in the meeting that we were at. I was outside all bundled up and and Roman for about 20 minutes. I watched this man. Someone introduced him to me. I watched this man in a light coat minus 35 degrees Celsius, rubbing his hand for 20 minutes and talking to me about the power of the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'll never forget that. I'll never forget Donald. I remember uh, one time uh, I was newly in the program and I had spent all my rent money and all my all my uh, uh, Ontario student loan money. <laughs> I had no food in the fridge. And uh, I, I was... Uh, I finished all the drink. I finished everything. There was a bottle of sleeping pills on the dresser in the room that I was renting in that student home housing. And I wanted to kill myself. And then there was, a, I don't know if they still have it, but back then they had like little white meeting books, you know? So I opened it up and I ran to a meeting. I remember it was raining outside. I ran to a meeting and I don't remember what kind of meeting it was, but it must have been a sharing portion of that meeting because I shared and tears were coming down my eyes that I don't know why I keep doing this. I spent all my rent money. I don't have food in the fridge. Why do I keep doing this? I'll never forget Donald, an awakened old timer. Donald knew that at this point, at that point in time, an in-depth discussion about God and the course that will not do me any good. He put his hand around my shoulders and he said, welcome, kid. Don't you worry about it. And he took me grocery shopping after the meeting. Practicing principles in your affairs. You became attractive to me. That is huge. You know? Oh, that, you know, sometimes I think, like I, I was meditating on this before, a little bit here and there to see, you know, God, just show me what you want me to do. <laughs> uh, and, and I was thinking, you know, some a lot of times 
Step 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to pass this message on to alcoholics and practice principles. I always, I usually think of a newcomer, but I've had other experiences. I'll never forget Ralph, five or six years ago. Um, Apsi and I were going at it, man. You know, we just, I was sure that she's to blame and she's shallow and she's cruel and she's taking advantage and we're fighting over finances. I was doing the best I can in the program, but her and I were going at it. It was chaotic in our home. That my brain told me that, that you got to leave home. And I went, I left her and my, Darius was, I think, I forget how old he was, two, three years old. I left them. I I, I went and rented a room in a home that, that, that we own now, uh, close to the home that we own right now. You know, for about a year, I was in that room. Cleaning house, trusting God, help others. And towards the end of that year, I found myself on the floor of that room, tears coming down my eyes. And my brain told me what it used to always tell me. Hey, wouldn't it be better if you weren't here? Maybe a drink would fix that. My knees got bent, my mouth opened up. And the prayer that came out of me was, God, I know you now. I have ample evidence in my life of your existence now. But just can you help me not be like this anymore? And the thought came, call Ralph. <laughs> I picked up the phone and, 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 and he did what all my elders do for me when, uh, for the perceived calamity of my life. When I shared with them, he shared kindly and honestly from his experience and he, and he pointed me to a series of actions. And I woke up. I don't know what it was. I don't know what God chose Ralph at this time to wake me up. I don't know if it was the accumulation of all the of all the trust, how clean house, uh, uh, help others, and inventories that I did with my friend Teresa, with my sponsor Bush. But accumulated that day when I was going to kill myself, I wanted to drink, and God said, "Pick up the phone, call Ralph," and Ralph showed up, man. And as a result of those inventories, I woke up and I got detached from being married. What, what I mean is like, I didn't, not that I didn't care. I wanted to be a father. I wanted to, you know, I wanted to be with my wife, but I got detached from it. Like I didn't need it to drink, to, 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 like oxygen anymore. I woke up and I saw that everything that I was complaining to ask for, ask you about to Ralph in the second column, <laughs> I was doing myself. <laughs> I was selfish. I was cool. I was taking advantage. I woke up, man. And I started to practice principles in a marriage that wasn't working. My my sponsor, Bush, told me that, hey, now it's time to practice principles in a marriage that wasn't working. That was news to me. I always practiced principles when I was getting my way. That was very easy for me. <laughs> and I just had to love on her and love on her and love on her. And then COVID hit for about a year. I thought the marriage is over. That's okay, God. I'll just do the best I can to be a parent to just love on her. COVID hit, and I don't know with you guys, about you guys, but like we thought we we're going to die. We really thought at the beginning, we're all going to die. So Apsi said, hey, we may die. Why don't you move back home? So I moved back home, and we fell in love. Deep love. A spiritual love. And Apsi and I both woke up to this fact, to the fact that her and I don't have the dubious luxury of normal couples. You know, in the big book, how it says we don't have the dubious luxury of normal men to grouch in the brainstorm, right? Well, actually, and I woke up to this. We don't have the dubious luxury of normal couples to just have normal romantic love. It doesn't work. Because I'm, I'm not going to speak for her. I am way too selfish. To me, love is if you do for me, if you coddle me, if you understand me, if you take care of me. 
Afshin and I woke up to this fact, the fact that uh, her and I have to have a continuous spiritual experience together in this marriage. What that means is that God is everything. God has got to be in the middle of this thing. Either God is everything or this marriage is nothing and I make it nothing. And then I blame her. I'm a good case builder, by the way. I can build cases for people. So some of the newer friends may say, what does that have to do with the 12 step? Everything. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> because Ralph passed this message on to a suffering alcoholic at a time when he needed it. And, and he, practiced, he was practicing principles in his affairs as he was doing it. What that means is, I'll talk to you hopefully later on about the mistakes I've made. What that means, when he was serving this spiritual meal to me when I needed it, he didn't serve it in the, in the, in the back of the garbage can lid. You must do this or you're going to die. What's wrong with you? Didn't do that. You can serve a steak dinner on the garbage can lid or you can serve it a nice dish. Practice principles in his affairs allowed me to practice principles in my marriage. <laughs> As a result of that, hey, four-month-old baby, man. You know what I mean? That's what we do. We have recovered and been given the power to help others. That's huge, man. The ripple effects of that? Like when I get present to the responsibility in that? Whew. Practice principles in my affairs. <laughs> the last few years, I've been living a juicy life, a life filled with a deep sense of meaning and purpose in my life. In my entire life, my entire life, I used to just chase happiness. Do for me, do for me, do for me. <laughs> you know, go to the gym, put on some weight. You know how some people want to lose weight? I'm always skinny. I want to put on weight. I think I'm ugly because I'm skinny. No, not when the disease is talking to me, right? Not right now. I think I look okay. My wife tells me I look good. That's all the maps. <laughs> right? There you go. <laughs> so, so, you know, like, I'm always chasing something in the outside to make me feel okay inside. Always. That's what I'm doing. My entire life. I come over here, I landed here broken in every way you could imagine, suicidal, put them for two days together sober at the end. Ugly, unlovable, unemployable. And you guys say, uh-uh, kid, we're going to introduce you to a different way of life. A life filled with a deep sense of meaning and purpose in which, in which instead of living a deep-rooted, self-centered life, which is destroying you, we're going to introduce you to a God-centered life, to an other-centered life. I have a juicy life as a result of this step. I believe, the, I believe this is the why of my life. This is the why of the program. Again, by the way, a couple of things, just footnotes. One is, if I'm, I don't know, like I get passionate sometimes about talking about transformation, please don't ever miss Construe that as me telling anyone what to do, okay? Or you must do it that way. No, that's just my experience. That's okay. And then that's and then the other thing is, um, okay, forget about the other thing. Okay. So, so the, I, I believe, I believe. Oh, the other thing is, it's, I'm gonna. I guess my opinion is gonna be thrown in there with the experience, and if it doesn't match yours, it's okay. It's all good, man. You know, God shows up the way God shows up, right? So I believe. 
I believe every step is like a spiritual thread that I follow to the next step, to the next step, and to the next step. Teresa always said the answer to this step is in the, pre, in the uh, to this step is in the next step, right? And the promises of this step are really realized and magnified in the following step. And all these threads I follow, I follow, so I can continue, so I can build a relationship, cultivate a relationship with this loving God. I can't wait to hear Matthew's talk on Tile 11 in the recording, right? In order to, though, in order to, there's a thread that takes me to the final step in order to get off my knees and go help other alcoholics and practice principles in my affairs. That is the why of the program. If you talk to anybody that is successful in life, really successful, right? Any biographies that I've read, one of the things that they say that it's the crucial ingredient to success, you got to know your why. You got to know your why. Why am I doing this? Because I could, I could pray and meditate all I want if my motive is not to pass this message on to other alcoholics, if my motive is not to, is not to practice principle with God's other kids, I'm going to choke on this deal. I'm going to be worried about what you think about me. And, and I, and I got to make sure to mention at every meeting exactly how long I meditate in the morning. Because don't you know I need to be a spiritual guru? <laughs> but see, when my motive is to pass this message on to other alcoholics, the flow of God's love just flows through me into the lives of others. And I get to be a witness. Don't take credit for it. Don't take blame for it. <laughs> I get to be a witness. I'm sober because of a loving God. I'm sober because of a forgiving God. Seven years in and out of the program. Dying. For seven years, I knocked on every single door that I could knock on to prove to you that I'm not an alcoholic because this will fix me. <laughs> seven years. The girlfriend would fix me. The, the job would fix me. Uh, the degree would fix me. Your, your acknowledgement would fix me. Every single door had to shut in my face. Under the, the 12 and 12 talks about, under the lash of alcoholism, I was brought to you guys, under by no virtue, believe me. Those seven years were a gift. I didn't see it at that time, but today I see it as a gift because they beat out of me any idea that I had how I can, how I can live this life on my own, how I can stay sober on my own. For seven years. Alcoholism. Alcohol took away everything that was good in my life. Broken hearts. <laughs> lost opportunity. Suicide attempts. Alcoholism chewed me up, spit me out right in front of the gates of insanity and death. When I just wanted to kill myself. Like I'm a suicidal. I know that's not everybody's experience. That's me. Slash wrist and bottles of pills. Psych words and, and emergency rooms. Don't know what to do with myself. Want to crawl out of my own skin. I landed like a baby <laughs> in front of the doors of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I met a beautiful, loving man who's practicing principles in, in his affairs, Saeed. He introduced me to you guys, and I, and I fell in love with you guys. I fell in love with the camaraderie, with the joyousness.
My last drunk wasn't as bad as the 50 before that, by the way. I was renting a room in the men's recovery home. I was back in Alcoholics Anonymous, four months, going to a lot of meetings, a lot of service, uh, no steps or dibble dabbling, arguing with you about the steps, you know? I went and drank one night. I snuck back into that room. I passed out and I came to, to an incredible amount of pain. I wanted to kill myself and I wanted to take a drink. Remember I told you many years later, it visited me in that room and I called Ralph. That, that's what visited me, the four horsemen that day. Why don't you take your own life, you're a loser. Why don't you take a drink? My knees got bent and a prayer came out of me. God, whoever you are, whatever you are, I don't even know if you are. Can you just please help me not be like this anymore? How dark it is before the dawn. A prayer, a humble prayer from a broken soul. He literally grabbed me, caressed me, brought me back to rooms of alcoholics and anonymous, put a new teacher in my path. Donna, native Indian lady. This teacher opened the big book of alcoholics anonymous with me and started to go through a line by line. My first sponsor that I got sober with. Many people try to sponsor me. <laughs> we fought the black on the white. When it said to identify with something, we'd identify if I could. When it said to take an action, we wouldn't move forward until that action was taken. See, those seven years that were a source of shame for me, they served a purpose. Because of those seven years, what happened was that all of a sudden, the, I was given the gift of desperation and the window of the grace of God came along. And Donna was sitting at that window, one of you people armed with facts about yourself. And what you did for me, what you didn't do is that you, made, you didn't make this an intellectual exercise for me. You, you understood that this is spiritual endeavor and you poured your experience on the page of this book and this big book became alive. <laughs> Two inch book became thousands of miles deep because you poured your experience and love into it. And I got to match my own experience and I started to realize that maybe I'm an alcoholic and maybe this program can work for me too. As a result of these steps, I became free. I guess the it, like I know the steps are not a homework assignment, they're a way of life, but let's just say my first round of the steps, I became free. The best way that I can describe it is that my entire life I felt like I was walking this pitch black, dark room. And I was I kept on bumping into people and falling over and breaking my ankle and being pissed off and angry and drinking at you. It was as if somebody went in the corner of the room and flicked on the light, <laughs> went inside my heart and flicked on the light. And I was like, whoa, look at the colors. <laughs> you mean this whole time that I was sure it was you? It was me? You don't say. <laughs> at three months sober, I arrived at the 12th step. At three months sober, I arrived at the 12th step and I didn't want to do it. And I know this not everybody's experience and that's okay. It doesn't have to be. This room, this path is broad and roomy. And my sponsor at the time and my wife, Afsi at the time, they're all like, you got to start passing this message on. And I was scared. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to because I'm like, well, who wants someone with three months sobriety? I sure don't. You know, I was, I was continuing to make my amends trying to practice 11 and 10 and 11, you know? 
And my elders, like Donna, what she said was, that's interesting thinking, Ali, because if Bill Wilson and Dr. Bob Smith had some rule written in stone that you must, there is a must, hardcore must, have one year before passing this message, I would all be dead. There'll be no AA. You know, we'll all be dead. It's none of your business. You're at step 12 because we tell you at step 12. You just have to pass this message on because you're sick of the most. You may not get, you may not live long enough. <laughs> so I, so I, what I would do in the mornings is, God, would you please put a sponsor in my pack? Because I, I don't want to, you know, I want to stay sober. I don't want to drink and die. And I would go to these meetings and start to share from the, the, the transformations in my life. And because I guess people knew me for seven years in and out, you know, and then they were just like, Holy, what happened to this guy? <laughs> the first man that I was, um, that I got a chance to pass his 12 steps on, sponsor, um, uh, he had 16 months sober, Ramsey. I remember Ramsey came to me one time after a meeting that I shared at, you know, just a five minute share from the floor, two minute share from the floor. And he said, Ali, can you help me through these steps as outlined in the big book? Because I've, I'm, I'm 16 months sober. I've been in the program for a long time. I've worked the steps in different ways, but never the way what you're talking about, I've never had. Can you help me with that? And I said, Ramsey, are you sure, man? Like, listen, I got three, four months of sobriety. He's like, I don't care. I asked you to help me. Can you help me? I said, okay. So I would go uh, three days a week. I would take the subway, go to this man's condo and in, in, in the elevator right up, I would be shaking and scared. Like, what do I have to offer? And then I would remember. What you keep telling me, what Bill Wilson talks about in the vision for you. Don't forget, you've tapped into a power. You're not going to be doing anything. So I would go to this man's uh, condo and I would open the big book and do exactly what was done for me. Read and highlight this. And do <laughs> right? And then when I saw this man's eyes light up, the transformation he had through, the, through that round of the steps, man, I became a believer. I was like, holy moly, this program works. You know, it's like it's like when it's happening to you, you don't really see it quite the way other people do, you know? Just like when I was going down to the dumps, I didn't see how bad I was. The other way, I don't see it either. I need you to see, see me, you know? So I saw it in him. I'm like, wow, this program really works. That Ramsey, he went on to sponsor a lot of men, huge transformations. And then a few years down the road, I, I heard that he went out and he was drinking and, and I, tried to help him. Uh, I met him at a couple of meetings. I would try to help him, you know, and talk to him. And, and one time I remember after a meeting, uh, we had coffee together and I, and I said to him, I said, brother, uh, I, I want to thank you uh, for uh, the impact you had on my life because you were the first man I sponsored, you know, just, and uh, we were having a conversation. I was just thanking him, see how I can help him, maybe what I can say. And what he said to me just uh, floored me. <laughs> What he said to me floored me, man. He said, Ali, you know, I had a I had an incredible experience through the steps that you took me through the steps. Um, a tr incredible transformation. But I want you to know something. You know, the reason I asked you to take me through the steps was because you would come to these meetings and you would share those meetings that I think if I don't try to take this pass this message on, I may drink. I don't want to drink. And I, I wanted you to stay sober. Did you hear that? I thought I was helping him. But God sent him to help me.
Alcoholics Anonymous. No one's better than anyone else. We're all walking shoulder to shoulder. See, sponsees are not there for me to keep sober, like have some agenda to keep sober. They're gifts from God for me to stay sober, for me to stay present to this beautiful life. A few months after taking Ramsey through the big book of the steps, I remember, um, so my sponsor at the time, she said, well, you got to go. Uh, there was a men's shelter. There was an AA meeting set up there. And then the person who was chairing it, I think, went on vacation or whatever. She said, you got to go, right? So I listen. I take direction. I went. I would open the uh, big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, read three pages from it. And these men would share from the chaos and pain of their lives. You know, the tragedies of their lives. And I would share from the fact that, man, I was exactly where you were three, four, five months ago. I haven't had a drink. I, and I'm happy most of the time. I would go back every meeting, every week saying the same thing over and over. And these men start to trust me, I guess, you know. They start to trust the tangibility of my sobriety. Maybe that's how God used me. Because, you know, when you're newly sober, like sometimes three months, four months, six months is so much more tangible than like 30 years. Like what? What? That's a different universe, right? So that they would ask me after the meeting, Ali, could you just could you just help us help us do whatever whatever happened with you with these 12 steps? Sure, I would. I would make I would make appointments with them in the in the cafeteria of this shelter and then the coffee shops. And I would open up the big book, do exactly what was done for me, you know. And I don't know if any of those men are sober today. I don't know if they those gifts from God. But you know who's sober, who hasn't had a drink? Me. Me. This program didn't start because Bill Wilson had an agenda to keep people sober. He tried that for the first six months by all the archives and the history books, right? He tried. But it didn't start. And, and I think if the program didn't start, he would have probably ended up drinking again. This program started when his uh, business deals went down to the dumps and he was walking back and forth in the Mayflower Hotel and the drink called him. The drink called him. And then the spirit turned his gaze to the phone directory and a few phone calls later, he meets Dr. Bob, but was supposed to be a 15-minute conversation, ended up being five or six hours. The language of love started 80, close to 89 years ago, right? 89 years ago. From one alcoholic's desire to stay sober himself. We're all writing the language, waves of the language of love from one alcoholic's desire to stay sober himself. The ripple effects of that. The magic in that. So if you're new in sobriety, if you're young in sobriety, and your sponsor tells you that you're at the 12th step, <laughs> I pray. I pray that God surrounds you with members of Alcoholics Anonymous that are going to fan that fire and not extinguish it. Look what happened with Bill and Bob, man. <laughs> you know? Magic in that. <laughs> I want to share with you that I'm a few years in now, two, three years in, sponsoring a lot of men, speaking here and there. Coming to these meetings and coming to your meetings to, and talking about the, the the transformations that I've had in my life and the power of God and God is the most important relationship in my life and and if you would have followed me with a candid camera, you know those hidden cameras, you would have seen that this guy's probably drinking. I wasn't, but just by how I was behaving in life in certain areas, you know, 
See, what happened is that I started to feel like a fraud in rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous because my walk and my talk started to diverge. And when that happens, I feel like a fraud. And the only antidote to that is to bear my soul to you and be honest with you. And I stopped doing that. I stopped sharing myself honestly with you guys. I had a gentleman sponsoring. His name was Peter, real deal alcoholic. Peter tried for years to get sober. And then finally, the gift of desperation, right? And we opened the big book together and he caught on fire, man. Peter caught on fire through these 12 steps. He has about he had about six or eight months of sobriety. And then ever so slowly, he stopped keeping in touch. And then he drank. And I tried to help him. I'll go to his home and I'll pray with him. I'll try to drag him to meetings. That wouldn't work. <laughs> And one of these times that I was at his house praying with him, trying to get him to come to a meeting, I said, hey, brother, like, what do you think happened? You were doing so well. And he said to me, he said, uh, you know, Ali, if I'm honest with you, I just never thought I could measure up to you. Because I wasn't sharing myself honestly with him. I wasn't sharing that despite the transformations in my life, sometimes I'm in the fear fetal position at home. I feel like I'm drowning sometimes and I need this program more than ever. I need to be with you. I need to share that I wasn't doing that with them because I thought that uh, when my disease was telling me that the, 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 you have to share the, just the good things because the newcomer has to think that this program works. I'm here to report to you bull crap. What a farce. The only reason I wasn't sharing myself honestly with you guys is because I was afraid of what you think about me because I wanted to be put on the pedestal by my sponsees. <laughs> I don't know why this disease works for me this way, but it just does, okay? Peter drank himself to death. Now, I'm pretty, I'm not that spiritually asleep that I think that I have the power to make anyone drink or keep anybody sober. I get that that's not me. I get it, right? But there's a big, huge spiritual lesson here for me. What happens when I take charge of this program, the ripple effects of that, and what happens when God's in charge? From that day to this, I try my best to bear myself honestly with you guys, to open the, uh, to disrobe in front of you guys and let you see the cracks in the armor, because that's where God shines through, because that's what you do for me, you know, because that's what you do for me. If, if you, um, you know how, I just don't have the ability to just dissect steps and, and stuff as some people do, and it's just fantastic. Their brains work that way. I, I hope uh, our new friends, that you've noticed that what I'm doing is I'm pouring my experience on it, on this step, because I think that's what gives it depth and weight, just like you do for me. My mistakes, my fumbling and stumbling, broken. Because God carries his water in broken pots. We have to drink from each other's, the crack in each other's souls. That's where he light, He shines through. At about, I was coming up to three years sobriety, I started to uh, uh, grow spiritually apart, the best way to say, from my original sponsor, Donna. And I still love that lady. She's in my life. We just grew apart spiritually, let's put it that way. And, um, and I was praying, I was just, 
God, can you put a teacher? I heard somebody say one time, you know what? If you, the God will never deny you a request if, if you need it to stay, to get closer to him, to be a better servant. So I would pray like that, you know? God, will you please, if you see fit, put, a, put another teacher on my path because I want to get to know you more. I want to be a better person, you know? And uh, God put Peter M in my life. I'm from Florida. I, I, I was uh, I was listening to a to a talk with Mark Houston, the late Mark Houston. It was in London, England. And then I was as he finished talking on step eleven. I was I was just thinking, man, I wish he was alive. I would like to just have a conversation with him. And then this gentleman comes and does another talk on step eleven with a thick New York accent that just blew my mind. I was like, whoa! <laughs> so I sought him. <laughs> so I sought him, and then he became my sponsor. And see, it's it's like God. It's like God kept the, throughout the years, throughout my life, throughout recovery, He keeps putting teachers in my path. And these teachers, each of them spoon feed me some kind of spiritual awakening, some kind of spirituality. And what Peter taught me, I was just, just in awe, inspired of his relationship with the God of his understanding. Just, just inspired, man. What he taught me is a spiritual life of discipline. He's got 30-something now, but I think he was in his late 20s at that time, sobriety. Spiritual life of discipline. Still writing inventory. Still calling his sponsor once a week. Spiritual life of discipline, you know? What transformations I had through that relationship. And then the disease of alcohol, the dis-ease. D-I-S-E-S. Internal dis-ease of alcoholism came for a visit again. And they started to tell me that there's an image to uphold in Alcoholics Anonymous. It's about how you sound and the number of sponsees and the number of speaking engagements. I was coming up to five years sobriety at that time in 2016. My wife, Afsi, went uh, uh, to have minor surgery and the doctor gave her some Percocets, you know, the painkillers to come home with. And, uh, and for about a year before that, I stopped sharing myself honestly with you guys again. And alcoholism doesn't come at me as a drink anymore. That's too easy. It comes from the back door. And what it said to me is that, hey, you're a drinker in AA. You never had a problem with pills? Take a couple. So I took a couple. <laughs> but for the grace of a loving God, for good sponsorship. The next day I told Peter and he said, you got to renew your dry day. And I renewed my dry day. And what Peter said to me at that time is that, Ali, you need someone knee to knee. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, I'm not going to drink. He's like, you don't know that. I suggest you get someone knee to knee. And I said to him, I know it was, it was arrogant at the time, but that's what I said, okay? I said, Peter, I don't know anyone in my neck of the woods that, that, that I want what they have, right? And he said, well, what about Butch? And I said, oh, yeah, I accept Butch. <laughs> so then Butch Maslin became my sponsor. He's been my sponsor for the last almost eight years now. See, Butch brought me all the way in and he introduced me to the love story of Alcoholics Anonymous. That's what Butch did for me. I don't know another human being because I, I, I obviously I don't have a personal relationship with everybody, right? But I know a lot of people, right? I don't know another human being that practice principles in his affairs with love and kindness like this man does. Remember when I was having uh, troubles with Apsi? The first time I met them at the coffee shop, then I was telling him, no, I think we're going to, I was letting him know that I think we're going to get separated. I'll never forget, Butch. 
help my hands. His eyes watered up and tears just trickled down. And he said, Ali, we're going to get through this together. We are going to get through this together. That's bossship. That's passing this message on. Like I understand, it's it. So this this see, obviously the the at its core, sponsorship is so multifaceted, and its core is pra, it's pra, passing on these twelve steps, right? But sometimes I can get so rigid and, and caught up in the in the details of the of these twelve steps. You should do it this way or that way, and I miss the whole thing, man. I miss the spirit of it, right? That's sponsorship. Which introduced me, introduced me to a love story in which in which it, I, I, I'm in love with my with my wife and my sons, my sons, I got two of them, <laughs> with the men that I sponsor, with you guys. My entire life, I was chasing that that uh, the feeling of being in love, belonging. My entire life. It wasn't until I met you guys. You know, and at man, at times I've been rigid too in this program. At times I've been rigid. I'll share this with you. I remember there was, a, um, I'm not going to say his name, but um, a gentleman that I still sponsor, um, I think he's got 30 years now. He came to me at 25 years sobriety and uh, he's a real deal alcoholic by all accounts, you know, and uh and he, he came to me and he said, he knew me for a little while. He said, Ali, you know, I'm, I'm embarrassed to tell you, but I have, I've never really completed 12 steps. He stayed sober through the, through the power and the fellowship. And that happens. There's nothing wrong with that. He, he's, he, he tried. Like, there's other people like that, right? That happens sometimes. Uh, he, service and uh, meetings and fellowship. Just, he stayed sober, right? Dibble dabbling in the steps. And I said, sure, I, I can help you. So I started to do what was done for me. I opened the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. I started to take them line by line. And then I started to realize that um, he's not following. I started to realize he's not doing assignments. When he came to the inventory, he was taking too long. I started to, uh, I remember on the phone a couple of times I was insinuating with him. I got harsh with him that maybe you don't want it bad enough. And I, and I heard the crackle in his voice, and I became so ashamed. <laughs> what are you doing? This man, he, he has some, like, like it's not, it wasn't obvious if you talked, but if you have your relationship with him, he had some brain trauma as a kid. It's just that method of line by line doesn't work. That that thing that I believe in, that after the third step, we launch. I always talk about launch, find launch. Well, the launch looks different with him. For 12 months, every morning for 15 to 20 minutes on the phone, I would help him write a fourth step call a fourth step resentment and he would read it to me for 12 months we were in resentments we were in fears we were in sex this man is awake he started to make his amends people want to be around him he has a joyful life now who am i rigidity is the prison in which i die in 
You gotta wear this world like a loose garment. It's gotta be it is a God deal. When I make it too rigid, it becomes an alley deal. Like, why am I like this? I ask myself sometimes, why, why are you like this? What's wrong with you? <laughs> I'm not saying this from like a victim mentality. So I'm just like, I'm just, why? Do you know why? I've come up with this answer. The Spirit has revealed this to me. Because I suffer from an illness. So cunning, baffling, and powerful. It constantly wants me to separate. It wants me separate from you. It wants me to feel like I'm either better than you or less than you. It wants me to put on a you put on a pedestal so you can talk about me, and then that's insatiable because really I feel less than you. I'm worried about what you think about me, and it's doing that because it's continuously setting me up, setting me up, setting me up, setting me up for the ambush of the drink. That gentleman wasn't there for me to keep sober. With like every single sponsee, every single new person, every single person that calls me the, for, for, for service or for whatever, for, for you know what I mean? It's it's like a spiritual mirror for me, not for them, for me to be a better human being, for me to be more humble, for me to grow in understanding and effectiveness of what? Of God's will for me in helping his kids. <laughs> you know what I mean? Every value in life has done that for me. From the separation from AFC to the depressions to couldn't find a job to help a support a family, every single value in life has done that for me. Every single sponsee has done that for me. They brought me back to the table with, with God for a deeper level of experience, for a deeper level of surrender of all my ideas. All my ideas. Because I have recovered and been given the power to help others. That's my purpose in life, in the 12th step. And obviously, like, I can't take anything out of, out of the movement of these steps, out of the spiritual walk of these steps and do it in, in, in isolation, right? What does the 12 and 12 say? Uh, Self-examination, prayer, and meditation, when taken together, creates an unshakable foundation for life. Right? All of this moves steps together. Hmm. For our newer friends, for the friends that are coming back, I want to thank you for being here. I want to share something with you. If you're sick and tired of being sick and tired of being sick and tired of being you, like I was being me, <laughs> I pray and I humbly suggest that you set aside everything that you think you know. Join a home group. Get a sponsor. Dive in these steps. I know you're seeking the light. Be the light. After some time, you're going to see that you're, you, you are the light. So we, all of us, can gather shoulder to shoulder, go in the trenches, grab some more of our brothers and sisters out of there, man. This is a love story. It's not a not drinking program. And this beautiful, benevolent, powerful, merciful, loving God, which I don't understand, I can only experience inside of me, inside of you, this God has, has this thing set up, has this thing set up in order for me to, to participate in this love story, 
I got to be loving to you. I got to have my motive, the 12th step, uh, the 12th step in my life. This life is beautiful. Sometimes it's scary, man. It's like a roller coaster. Up and down and fast turns and here and there, right? I got to have my seatbelt on or else I'm going to fall off. To me, the seatbelt is made up of all the steps and the buckle ends of it are your 12th step and my first step. When they meet, they keep you in the seat. And my 12th step and your first step, when they meet, they keep me in the seat. Thank you, Ralph. Thank you, committee, for allowing me to be here. God bless you. A lot of love to you guys. I hope that was something. I'm not sure, but I hope I came across is that I, I, I've been a servant. You know, I, I take pride in being a servant. I have, the, I have the lowest position out there, and you taught me that. It's the long time. It's like Ralph and Ronald, everybody here. You taught me that we don't shoot the wounded. You taught me that we blow life into each other. You taught me that the most important thing that you could do in this life is to be a servant and have humbly, with a lot of brokenness, try my best to be a little bit better today than I was yesterday in this time. God bless you. Thank you very much for allowing me to share.